Okay, so good afternoon everybody and welcome to the 69th meeting of the Economy Committee and some members are attending this um, afternoon's meeting via Stardif and um, the meeting will be broadcast live when open to the public and a recording made available on the committee's webpage on the Assembly website. Um, and I'd just like to welcome officially to the committee Stephen Dunn MLA who has joined us and um, Thank Gary Middleton for all of his work um, on the committee over the past year and a half. So moving on then to item number two, apologies. We have apologies from Sinead McLaughlin and I think everybody else is here. Um, so we're moving on then to item number three, which is draft minutes. And there is a copy of draft minutes at page 10 of your packs. So are members content that those are uh, an accurate reflection of the meeting? Good. Thank you. Okay. So moving on then to item number four, which is chair's business, and we have a couple of items here. So item uh, 4.1 at page 19 of your pack, there is a copy of correspondence from the ERA committee regarding the joint virtual visit with the Dairy Council tomorrow, um, Thursday the 8th of July at 1.30pm. The ERA committee has provided an agenda for the virtual visit, including Zoom details, event participants, running order and social media and just to advise members that a meeting request with the Zoom link was sent out to members yesterday afternoon, so you should have that. So moving on then to 4.2, page 20 of your pack, there's a copy of correspondence from the IES office regarding the Windows 10 update, which was completed recently on members' tablets. The IES office has supplied instructions on how to enable the microphone and camera on our tablets, so that's just for members to note. Then at page 22 of your pack, there is correspondence from Renewables NI requesting a meeting. So if members are agreed, um, we will ask Peter to schedule that briefing after summer recess. Good. Moving on then to um, page three of table papers. There is a copy of a departmental press release regarding the establishment of the Makers Alliance, an independent industry-led body which will drive the strategic development of the advanced manufacturing sector in the north here. So if members are content, that's just to note as well. And then just a final item um, of Chair's business. Uh, members will recall that we had correspondence back in April from Include Youth around um, a couple of different issues, one in relation to their essential skills and programme. And Peter and myself have had a subsequent correspondence um, from Include Youth, who are having some difficulties, I think, getting response from DFE, but have had some response from Education and Health. Peter, do you maybe want Chair, to speak yeah, to it's, that? It's trying to get a, a DFE official to meet with the health uh, and other officials. Um, so that's kind of what we've been pushing for. Um, it, it might be worth another letter. So members are content that we would go back to the department on that. And also recently, they also had written to us in April about their Peace 4 funded project, which is called Strive, um, and that there is potential for a, a period between Peace 4 funding ending and Peace Plus funding being rolled out, and that there is a need for some interim funding. So if members are content that we would write back to the department or to the minister on that, because I don't think we've had a response in relation to that particular issue. So if members are content with that. Thank you. Okay, so moving on then to item number five, which is matters arising. 5.1 then at page 25 of your pack, there's a response from the Minister regarding Enerchem's decarbonised agricultural footprint oh, yeah. proposal. The Minister advises that his, 
his and DERA officials have been engaging with the company to develop the scope of the project and recognise its potential benefits. So just to remind members, the response was also uh, considered from the ERA Minister at last week's meeting and that the Minister states that dedicated support mechanisms are needed to support this project and are not yet available and therefore DFE can't provide the funding requested. But if members are content, we will pass this correspondence on to Enerchem. So then at page 27 of your pack, there's a departmental response to the committee's request regarding how it is working with universities in relation to contingency plans for the upcoming academic year and whether any guidance is being developed for students in terms of entering into rental agreements for the incoming academic year. So the response states that the universities are autonomous institutions. The model and implementation of provision is for them to consider based on the prevailing public health advice from the executive. DFE advises that it is working with the sector in terms of contingency planning should circumstances change at any point in the future in respect of the pandemic. Furthermore, DFE states that the Department for Communities holds policy responsibility for housing and has published guidance for the private rented sector, which includes students and houses of multiple occupancy on their website. So it's, this is for members to note, but um, yeah, I, I guess certainly I think it's a little bit dodging of the issues that were highlighted. Chair, I think probably <coughs> what we're, we're, we're going to end up doing and what we've tended to do all along is go direct to the universities for plans. So yes. they've given us a provisional outline of what they're likely to be seeing come September and they're going to move to, as, as the department had said, they're going to move back to face to face but there'll be certain mitigations very dependent on what guidance is at the time. Um, so the, the guidance they've currently been using has probably its essence has gone back to March and then as restrictions have begun to ease they've, they've kind of um, extemporised if you bet, if you, if you, if you, you know, um, if you want the, the, the guidelines will need fully rewritten uh, come September, especially if there are loosening of restrictions um, in any significant new way. So you would expect the department to take a lead on that. Um, they, they have had a much bigger role in the guidance for FE. So if members are, are content, what we'll do is communicate directly with the HE and FE bodies and, and see just exactly what they think things are and what they're needing and expecting from the department and then we can take that back to the department. Yep. Thank you, Thank Peter. You. So moving on then to 5.3, at page 28 of your packs, there's a ministerial response regarding support for the English language teaching sector. The minister states that although he sympathises with the sector, the issues facing it are a consequence of the global pandemic. Support packages have been put into place to fill gaps in support funding, but unfortunately it was not possible to legislate for every scenario and again this is a bit of a disappointing response from the, the Minister. Um, members will recall that we met informally with the representatives of the ALT sector um, and members were quite um, welcoming of the fact that they see significant potential in the sector and the, and the potential for the development of the sector. Um, they are not currently recognised as tourism, they're recognised as education, and if they were recognised as tourism, they would have been able to access other supports. Um, it was members' view that clearly they are part of the tourism 
sector and should be recognised as such. So, if members of contempt, we would write back to the minister on that basis and encourage him to engage with the sector, to meet with the representatives, um, so that they can make that case to him and hopefully be able to avail of some sort of support. Thank you. Thank you. So moving on to 5.4 then, at page 30, there's a reply from the Department for Communities in relation to the raised briefing paper on the High Street Task Force, which was forwarded by the Communities Committee. The letter states that it is a joint response from communities and TEO and sets out further information in relation to the role and functions of the High Street Task Force. Also included <coughs> is a table at page 36 answering a number of questions posed in the raised paper. So members are content um, to note at this point, and I'm sure we'll bring it back in right. relation to our discussions on that. Um, then at page 80 of our packs, there's a response from TEO regarding the EU settlement scheme. Um, advising that the executive has supplemented the UK-wide public information campaign with a local campaign, and since March 2020, this has been expanded to cover TV, out-of-home and press advertising to help target those individuals who are harder to reach. Furthermore, officials have asked the Home Office about the possibility of an extension to the 30th of June deadline and continue to liaise with the Home Office to gain clarity on the position of those EEA citizens failing to secure status and measures to support them. And this letter was actually dated just before the, yeah. the deadline. So um, I think that we are also in a position now where the executive is seeking an the extension. Executive and and the, the committee has also written to the Home Office. And, and the understanding we have on bits and pieces that have come back from the Home Office to the Lords... So one of the Lord's EU subcommittees is that anyone already logged in the system by the 30th of June is okay. uh, won't face a cliff edge in terms of being able to access benefits and so on, uh, and they will be processed in time. Uh, the, the issue was still around those who hadn't got into the system by the 30th of June, but from our understanding, there, there's going to be some kind of, not entirely pinned down or, or qualified or quantified six-week grace period where there is further communication going on for people to be able to um, log onto the system and get uh, an application in process. Um, but we, we don't have a great deal of detail on that. We don't really know, I suppose, at this stage, who is, is not in the system. Um, we, don't, we don't really have great reliable figures on that because a lot of people seem to have appeared that weren't expected and, and weren't known about. Um, I think the figure we, we talked about before was 1.6 million uh, of, of EU and EEA uh, citizens who are in uh, the country who, who we didn't necessarily know where. So I think that's been an issue in terms of why the systems haven't necessarily uh, been as efficient as they could be. I think there, there's a lot more people trying to apply than, than was ever anticipated. So we, we have current... Um, uh, correspondence out to the Home Office about a further update on that situation but as I say fortunately we're getting copied into exchanges between House of Lords committees um, and Home Office and so on and they're, they're kind of providing the information on a I suppose speedier basis than ours um, is um, they, they seem to be able to get responses much quicker than we can so that's been incredibly helpful and has allowed us to keep an eye on this uh, but there are still a lot of unanswered questions. Yep. Okay, thanks. 
Moving on then to 5.6 at page 82, there is a response from FSB regarding the reform of youth training. FSB believes that the scale of measures that the department is developing in response to the demand it is hearing from employers is welcome, but the process by which these measures have been developed and the resulting initiatives that will deliver them in the short, medium and long term are less clear than would be desirable. So if members are content, we will forward this response on to the department um, for them to respond to the issues that are being raised. Great. Thank you. Then at page five of your table papers, there is a response from the department in relation to members' queries on the SL1, the Further Education Student Support Amendment, etc. EU Exit Regulations NI 2021. Members were content with the policy intent but had queried the number of students impacted and whether the department had taken into account the backlog for settled status applications. The department states that in 2019-20, the latest year for which uh, statistics are available, 2,135 students at the six FE colleges were registered as having an EU country as their country of birth. This figure obviously doesn't include students from the south. This accounted for 3.7% of the total student number of 57,185. So EEA citizens who have submitted an EU settlement scheme application by the 30th of June will be issued with a certificate of application. Pending the outcome of their application, they can rely on this certificate of application to demonstrate their eligibility for work and to continue to access benefits and services. And this will extend to confirming their status as eligible to retain home uh, tuition fee status. In relation, sorry, in the event that either the certificate of application has not been issued or the outcome of their application to the EUSS remains pending in advance of the start of the 2021-22 academic year, contingency arrangements will be put in place such as delaying the requesting of fees from any impacted students until the status has been confirmed or otherwise. So are members content to note? Mm -hmm. <coughs> So moving on then to 5.8, page 6 of table papers, there is a copy of John O'Dowd's private member's bill on the small-scale green energy, which was introduced to the Assembly yesterday and is expected <coughs> to reach the second stage and formally be referred to the committee after summer recess. So members are content to forward a copy of the bill to the department, asking for a detailed response outlining its views on the policy intent and to request a paper from RAISE to be prepared for consideration after summer recess. Great. And just also to advise members that committee staff will prepare the call for evidence and survey in preparation for issuing in September once the bill reaches committee stage. John's welcome to say something about the bill if he wants, but he doesn't have to. He <laughs> <laughs> doesn't have to. Um, so moving on then to item number six, which is the SL1, the Education Student Fees Amounts, Loan Repayment and Support Etc. Amendment Regulation NI 2021. There is a clerk's memo at page 89 of your pack and the SL1 at page 90. Um, this statutory rule will provide for the annual increase using inflationary forecast of 2.3% for the academic year 2022-23 provided by Treasury to the prescribed basic and higher amounts which higher education institutions here may charge to students who are ordinarily resident in the North and accepted others. This SL1 was in last week's pack and members had queried whether it also applies to part-time students. The department has not yet provided a response. 
The rule is subject to negative resolution procedure and the anticipated date that the rule will come into operation is the 1st of September. Um, so we can still hang on. We can wait. We can wait. Are, mem are members happy then yeah. that we would wait until we have a response back from the department? Yep. Okay, thank you. So then moving on to item number seven, the LCM subsidy control bill. Um, the bill itself is at page 91 of our pack. There is a supporting paper at page 198 and a copy of the subsidy control regime map at page 209. <clears throat> the purpose of the subsidy control bill is to implement a domestic subsidy control regime in the UK that reflects the UK's strategic interests and particular national circumstances, providing a legal framework within which public authorities make subsidy decisions. The bill was introduced in Westminster on the 30th of June. Um, as the bill covers aspects of devolved powers, it is expected that an LCM will be required and that a committee report will be required. So in anticipation of the LCM being laid and subject to further information uh, regarding devolved aspects of the bill being provided by the department, members would be agreeable to consult with relevant stakeholders over the summer recess period. Great. I don't think we've had any indication of that LCM coming yet? No, from, from what I've heard from the department, they have not got a timescale planned. Um, but this would allow us to go ahead. The bill's been introduced, so what effectively the committee would be looking at is the bill as drafted. We, we don't look at additional amendments. And because we only have a 10-day period to turn around a report from the um, legislative consent memorandum being laid, um, it makes sense for us to go out to stakeholders now mm -hmm. and ask for their views so that we have those sitting ready for when the department brings forward the process. Yeah. And obviously there's crossover with the protocol and the yeah. state aid regime. Um, yes, it, it, adding to... So it will be useful to get the, the consultation response, I suppose. So I are members happy enough with that? Yeah. Thank you. Um, Okay, so moving on then, item number eight, which is the parental bereavement leave and pay bill. There is a copy of the admissibility criteria for amendments provided by the bill clerk following last week's closed uh, session briefing, so members can tend to note. And item number nine was the ministerial briefing, which obviously was um, postponed um, because of the changeover of ministers. So our members content that we would seek a briefing with the new minister as soon as possible after recess. Mm -hmm. So moving on then to item number 10, which is correspondence. 10.1 um, at page 281 of your pack, there's correspondence from an individual regarding the change in alcohol licensing laws. This has also been forwarded to the Department for Communities and the Communities Committee. So our members content to note. Read. Yeah. 10.2 then, page 282 of your pack, there's a copy of the Utility <coughs> Regulator's Annual Report, so that's just to note. Um, then 10.3, page 331, is the 44th Report of the Examiner of Statutory Rules, so that's to note. Um, and just to advise, a number of additional items of correspondence in the table pack have been misnumbered. Yeah, the, the machine didn't like them, so it, it misnumbered them as a punishment of some kind. So they're, they're <laughs> numbered as item 9 instead of item 10. So 9.4 in your table papers, it should be 10.4. And that's at page 20, a copy of DFE's Analytical Services Fact Sheet on Online Job Posting Trends. So that's to note. 
Then at page 23 of table papers, there is a copy of Social Enterprise NI annual evaluation report. And again, that's, that's for members to, to peruse and to note. Um, then at page 39 of table papers, there is correspondence from the Belfast Food Network regarding the disruption to the supply of organic food as a result of the protocol. So if members are content that we would write to the Minister and the Executive Office to ask what's being done to address the issues that are being raised. And then um, item number 11 is any other business and none has been indicated. So moving on to item number 13, which is the date, time and place of the next meeting. And as members will know, this is the last meeting before summer recess. So just to uh, inform members that it's normal practice for committees to delegate authority to the chairperson and deputy chairperson during periods of recess to submit views on the releasing or withholding of information in any non-routine or contentious FOI requests that are received. And also just to advise members in previous mandates at the final meeting of each session, the committee agreed to this delegation of authority and that the committee would be advised of any such requests, the views expressed by the chairperson and or deputy chairperson and the response issued by the FOI unit at the first available meeting following the recess period. So are members content that we would continue with that practice? Great. Great. And then just to advise members of um, a couple of our informal engagements that are taking place later today and tomorrow. So this afternoon at 1.30 we have an informal discussion with stakeholders on the protocol via Teams. And then tomorrow we have an informal meeting with InvestNI and representatives of the aerospace industry <coughs> at 10.30am via Teams. And then tomorrow afternoon is the virtual tour. Uh, of the Dairy Council with the ERA committee at 1.30 and that's via Zoom. Yeah. So that's us for the summer. Sure, apologies so. for the meeting at 1.30 today. I have a meeting with the Communities Minister at 1.30 today. So just wish everybody a, a good summer break. You too. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Committee room 30. This is 